Be sure to check out the latest issue of the Jesus Calling magazine, featuring a cover story with beloved entertainer and morning show host Kathy Lee Gifford. You'll love the inspiring stories from Jesus Calling readers all through the pages of this magazine, and it's absolutely free. Pick one up at any Mardell or Books a Million locations, or subscribe to the Jesus Calling magazine today by going to jesuscalling.com magazine. For me, restoration is all about demonstrating grace and love, because to believe you can be restored is to believe that there are second, third, fourth, fifth, and seventh chances. It's to believe that there can be healing and unity and hope and love. It's to believe that things that are broken can be restored. Welcome to the Jesus Calling Podcast. In Scripture, we are promised restoration through our relationship with Christ. In Jeremiah, we're told that God will restore health to us and our wounds will be healed. The wounds referred to aren't just physical. We can be wounded by the traumas we experience during every stage of our life. Our guests today, music artists and authors, Lecrae Moore and Jeremy Camp, and Jeremy's wife, Adrienne Camp, speak to how God brought restoration to their lives and how God continues to heal their wounds. Lecrae Moore is a two-time Grammy-winning breakout rhymist, activist, and author who has sold millions of records and achieved landmark success in his genre. Growing up in an environment of brokenness and abuse, Lecrae struggled to believe that God was real and that his existence on this earth wasn't just some kind of cosmic accident. That struggle eventually led to finding God, but only to meet more disappointment and pain when the people of God, who were supposed to love him, criticized and ostracized him. Pushed back into darkness, Lecrae descended into the depths of depression until he reached a precipice of needing help. Lecrae shares how fear drove his faith, which led to unpacking his story of trauma and a rediscovery of God and his transformative love. I am Lecrae Moore. I am an artist, an author, an activist, and uh, yeah, love the Lord and love using my opportunities and uh, abilities to be a catalyst for restoration in the world. Growing up and dealing with so many different types of abuse and neglect, I think that I found performing as a coping mechanism. When you're neglected and abused, you can develop a, a massive sense of insecurity. And in order to deal with that insecurity, I performed because it was a way I could find affirmation. And so the the beauty of that was that I was able to develop these amazing gifts and talents and be able to become a social scientist and see what makes people laugh, cry, and, and, and how to connect with people in an authentic way. The detriment of that is that you lose a sense of yourself because you're always on you're always performing. And so you don't know who you are. And when the applause stop, you are questioning your worth or your identity. As far as my relationship with God, as a child, my mother experienced a lot of church hurt. And so she was raised in a church, but there were a lot of unfortunate circumstances that happened to her just because of the times and segregation. And and so there was not a lot of education as far as 
the leadership in the churches that she grew up in. So there was a lot of well-intentioned things, but just misguided. So she really, she had a, a lot of problem with church and religion and, and was uh, very adamant to not raise her kids in that environment. So we were more free spirited. We were more uh, open thinkers, readers, um, processing the world around us. You know, and she was also a civil rights activist. So, but more on the militant side, not so much the Christian <laughs> civil rights activist. Um, and so I, I didn't really grow up with a sense of God. I think I grew up believing that God was a crutch for weak people. And so I just, I didn't really care to know much about it. And so affirmation for me came from, you know, women or, you know, climbing some social status ladder in school or, you know, joining a particular group of individuals who were heralded in the community, awards, plaques, um, just chasing things and um, and chasing things to gain identity, which was which was dangerous for my soul. But I was always curious. My grandmother, she exposed me to things that would pique my curiosity and and make me question things. So I did wonder about heaven and hell. I did wonder about Jesus and, and these things because it was brought up to me through my grandmother. Probably around 17, I had a friend tell me, well, since you're an atheist, Lecrae, you know that there's no hope or belief in anything except yourself. And I never forget how petrified I was because I, I, I could barely tie my shoe. And now I was, I was in control of my destiny and purpose. And uh, that scared me. And so um, I couldn't reconcile that in my mind. And that started to give me some trouble. And I began to seek and, and ask for solutions and to see if this if this was really true. Um, and so I started studying world religions. I went to a Christian conference just on a whim and I heard the gospel and I was radically changed. And that changed the trajectory of my life and, and allowed me to have a sense of hope and purpose. And that's probably where my music came from was, was me expressing this newfound hope and purpose and views and value. The problem is that I had never dealt with the historical trauma. I kind of thought that coming to faith was like this, this cure-all. And I didn't do the work. You know, the work is the means by which God changes you. And so um, I hadn't done the work in terms of the historical trauma. So I was still using the same tactics I used as a kid in my Christian journey, performing, performing to get people to love me and accept me and appreciate me. And so when the performance trap crashed in on me and the Christians that I thought were my family turned their back on me because I had different views on race or ethnicity or, you know, what they would say are politics, but what I would say are ethics, um, obviously dealing with critiques and criticisms and backlash from social media and just different people from different areas, I think I reached a boiling point where I realized there was nothing I could do to make people understand my perspective. Um, it got to a point where one, once I began to talk about issues that were detrimental in society and to myself, um, people didn't want to hear it. They just wanted me to perform. 
So it's almost like the shut up and dribble. We don't want to hear social commentary from you. Just sing a song. And so you're you're being objectified. When they turn their back on me, I really, I could not separate them from God because they were the representation of God to me. So I turned my back on God altogether. And, um, and, and once I turned my back on God, I was a thinker. So in my mind, I, there was no moral compass. There was no right or wrong. There just was. And that's kind of how I lived, a sense of purposelessness, which led me to the place of depression. You know, it's like, all right, I'll binge drink because it doesn't matter if I binge drink or I don't. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll take these prescription pills. I'll take more than I should because it doesn't really matter. I'm a cosmic accident and there's no God. I didn't know what was wrong with me. I just, from context clues, I knew this must be a depression. Um, The sky was blue. I couldn't appreciate the beauty of it. Uh, I wasn't hungry. I couldn't appreciate food. I was just very melancholy. And so context clues led me to say, I'm pretty sure this is a depression. I didn't know what clinical depression was. I didn't find that out until later. But context clues led me to say, okay, this must be depression. Now, the tough part about this is now you don't know what resources you can look to to find help because there are no voices of color speaking into this particular area. There's no uh, resources as far as books, especially in in a context of a Christian. That's another, it's such a, a, a niche audience. Coming from the cultural context that I come from, one, the culture of hip hop, which is definitely bravado, machismo, uh, you know, tough guy exterior. (laughs) Um, And then even even how I was raised without my father around, my uncles were afraid that I would become a mama's boy. And so they they did things to to toughen me up, so to speak, that weren't healthy for me. Um, I did not have language or I wasn't comfortable with expressing myself in that in the kind of way that made me vulnerable and exposed me. Um, I'm very grateful, though, for some of the leadership that I've seen happen in culture and society. Seeing Jay-Z mention him going to therapy was actually very helpful for me because it gave me the courage to say, "Okay, this is a thing that I don't have to be ashamed of. And then I have a lot of family members who are incarcerated, and I've always really been interested in incarcerated individuals. And so over and over again, I would hear stories of the toughest individuals going through mental health battles once they're in solitary confinement. And I didn't understand it until I went through clinical depression. But even their stories gave me some encouragement that even the toughest of people have a breaking point. And so I I knew I had reached my breaking point and um, I knew I needed professional help. And then I met my therapist, who's phenomenal, but the one that uh, has been life changing for me. And every day before our sessions, she would start with the Jesus Calling book. And I was blown away. And I've seen the Jesus Calling book a million times, right, over the course of my Christian walk. And, you know, it's probably back to that tough guy exterior. It's like, oh, this is this is this great book for soccer moms. I'm sure it's 
perfect for them. This is not for me. The cover's pretty. And it's just, you know, I don't know. It's not for me. And um, I never investigated it. You know, what was being said, because it was it was so personal and it was so it was the voice of Jesus talking to me, saying things that were true. But, you know, especially for somebody like myself who didn't grow up with their father and struggles to hear these affirming things. You know, I've got to earn that this this the type of things that are being said in the Jesus Calling book, right? I've got to perform for those things. No, no, this is how he feels about you, and this is what he has to say to you. And it was so therapeutic, so life changing, and so helpful um, that you know I'm I'm forever grateful. The fears that you're, you're standing on the edge, the precipice of change, and you're afraid to jump because you just don't believe that change can can really happen um but the but the reality is that first jump is the evidence of change you've already begun the process when you take the leap and so for me i didn't believe i could change i didn't believe anything could change and i didn't believe that it was as bad as i thought it was and so fortunately for me I got pushed <laughs> off the edge of that of that cliff, and and I and I got pushed by means of a clinical depression, and um, and and once your mind is kind of taken over, once you're inside of a, it's like being trapped in your own mind. Um, you've got to fight to get out of there, or you just sit and suffer in, in silence. You know, there's a song called Cry For You where it's like, do I just accept this thorn? This thorn in my flesh is the only thing I have left, you know, and it's so hard to confess when everyone sees your success. And and so it was the precipice. Um, but once you're in the darkest of places, I don't think you can thrive creatively. I think your creativity is stifled because you know, that's what we're created to be. We're created by a creator to be reflections of uh, of that creator. And when we're not thriving, we're not in our most creative place. And so there was no ability to talk artistically. So what I had to do was just journal and write down my experiences. And um, the journaling was good because as I came out of the dark place and my faith was restored I had things to draw upon, content to draw from, like, wow, look how dark this was and look how I'm out of this. You know, I, I go back to those journal entries and I'm blown away at how dark and and like, wow, I, I didn't even know I was there, you know, and I don't want to take that for granted either. And so that changes the music. I want it to be reflective of people who went through hell and now have tasted that someone pulled them out. You know, what does it feel like to be swallowed by a giant fish and then be spit out on land? What kind of song do you write after that? I want it to be reflective of, of that. And that's what restoration sounds like. You, you have to make pain look like pain so that healing looks like healing. And that's one of the most beautiful things that I think realizations I came to is that even in my darkest place, God's there. Like if I return to that dark place, what's the worst thing that's going to happen that I'm afraid of? God will be there with me. 
couple years ago, I wanted to create kind of an ecosystem or reverse engineer what it would look like for a person to find a healthy, safe place to find healing and restoration. And so I just kind of tapped into the areas that I felt most competent and comfortable in. And that was obviously music, writing, and then a video series, just just authentic documentation, documentary work. So I created an album called Restoration, featuring a lot of amazing people, Kirk Franklin, John Legend, to name a few. Uh, We did a video series where we walked people through my own kind of journey of restoration, meeting my father for the first time and things along those lines. And then um, lastly, a book called I Am Restored, where it's a much more detailed account of how I found healing and health in the middle of all the chaos. Listen, anything, I would cling to anything that was a promise of restoration in the scriptures. And that's how this book and this album and the docuseries were formed because of these promises. The promise that I will restore to you the joy of my salvation, the promise that I restore you, like he restores my soul in Psalm 23. It's like, there's so much in this that says, hey, I will restore you. And then this is perfect. It's it's almost saying what we were talking about is that, um, you know, it's the idea of routine and ritual and that's religion and not relationship. You know, oftentimes we think of God as some kind of inanimate object that we're talking at and not a person that wants to spend time with us and to connect with us. And that's the beauty of Jesus calling and and clearly Jesus always is that we can hear a voice. We can get a sense of a person. And uh, I think that's that's life-giving. When we can see the massive length, the depth, the width, the height of God's love, it's transforming. It transforms our views on everything. If you are wrapped up in visceral hatred and and disdain for someone look at the depth the width the breadth of God's love and how it extends to you when you should be hated but you're not if you are trapped in trauma and problems and you just don't see any way out of it look at the depth the width the breadth the height of God's love and what he's willing to do in order to rescue you from that and I just, I think that that's a, such a picture that, w- you know, it'll take a lifetime to understand how deep his love is, how wide and uncompared, like non comparing to anything we've ever experienced. And so I think if I can get a glimpse of what that means, that changes everything for me and everything for this world and everything for this country. You know, if we can just get a taste of how vast his love is you've experienced a lot of pain you've been abused you've been threatened you've been treated like you were not human and you have drawn strength from those things and those circumstances but you will not understand that strength and understand your most authentic self until you intentionally deal with those things until you intentionally process and work through those things you're not going to be able to change the world effectively until you own your story and allow it to turn you into someone amazing 
I think in terms of finding yourself ready for restoration or ready for healing, you do have to acknowledge the issue. Uh, you've got to accept and acknowledge the trauma that you've endured or are currently experiencing. And acceptance is always painful, uh, but denial is deadly. And so to deny that you have a life-threatening disease could cost you your life. To accept it or acknowledge it could mean a lifetime of difficulties and treatment, but uh, you're on a journey now of healing and health and hope, because if you can hope, you can heal. I think people avoid acknowledgement because they're afraid of losing a sense of hope. And, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer that God is very adamant about making sure we know we have a future and a hope. To find out more about Lecrae, his music and resources, please visit lecrae.com. Stay tuned to Jeremy and Adrian Camp's story after this brief message. Motherhood. It's a journey like no other, teeming with love, unparalleled dedication, and moments that pierce the very essence of your soul. It's a trek that demands to be celebrated, lauded, and embraced in its entirety. Celebrate the moms in your life this Mother's Day with two beautiful gift books, Jesus Calling for Moms by Sarah Young and Grace for the Moment for Moms by Max Licato. These heartfelt devotionals will remind the moms in your life just how special they are. Jesus Calling for Moms and Grace for the Moment for Moms are available now where all books are sold. During times of transition and unknown next steps, it's more important than ever to cling to the promises of God and to tune your ear to what Jesus has to say. Jesus Calling for Graduates is an encouraging compilation of 150 devotions from Sarah Young's brand. Grads will find topics such as discerning God's will, self-worth, trust, support, and much more. Jesus Calling for Graduates is perfect for both high school and college graduates as they embark on the next chapter. Look for a special custom edition of Jesus Calling for Graduates, available exclusively at faithgateway.com. The COVID-19 global pandemic has disrupted everyday life in some way for nearly everyone on the planet. Yet Samaritan's Purse continues to share the eternal hope of the gospel and to serve in Jesus' name. We are trusting God as we make plans to collect Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes just as we always have during National Collection Week in November. Another great option to share God's love is to build a shoebox online. It's a convenient and personal way to give shoebox gifts directly from home. Build one by choosing from an exciting list of gifts, then adding a letter and a photo. We'll pack it for you and send it off. We want boys and girls around the world to know that God loves them and He has not forgotten them during this time of fear and uncertainty. Every gift-filled shoebox is a tangible expression of God's love. Get the latest updates and build a shoebox online at SamaritansPurse.org OCC. That's SamaritansPurse.org OCC. Sometimes we find ourselves with the ground crumbling beneath our feet, never imagining that anything good could lay ahead. But when we choose to believe in God's goodness, our trust allows us to step into the plans God has for us, even if we can't see them yet. Grammy-nominated Christian singer-songwriter Jeremy Camp found himself in the throes of grief after his young wife, Melissa, passed away when she was only 21. But in the midst of his suffering, Jeremy penned a song called, I Still Believe, as a testimony to his ongoing faith. 
That faith held him steady as God brought new love into Jeremy's life through his wife of nearly 20 years, Adrian, and began a healing season for Jeremy. So my name is Jeremy Camp, and I actually am from Indiana, and uh, I've been playing music now for, my goodness, how many years? 20, 24 years. And so I've um, been able to go around the world and preach the gospel, uh, to sing songs and, and minister where God's taught me. So it's been a, quite an incredible journey for sure. And, and now, of course, talking to you guys. So very excited to be here. So my name is Adrian Camp, and I am married to Jeremy. And I was born and raised in Port Elizabeth, South Africa. As a young girl, I wanted to pursue music. I moved over to America when I was 19 years old left my family behind and everything I'd ever known and came and hit the road in a van and trailer. And it was on my journey as a musician that I met my husband, Jeremy, and the rest is history. <laughs> and I do have to just point out too that I, my first tour, I opened up for her. So just a you know, little bit of a background there. So it is true, <laughs> it's true. And we've been married for almost 16 years. No, and we've, 17 Almost years. 17, I'm sorry, you're right. <laughs> almost 17 years and we've got three beautiful children, Isabella, Ariane, and Deacon. Yeah, so happy. I moved from Indiana to California um, when I was 18. I went to Bible college. And, um, you know, after that stint, I, I had a friend that was teaching a Bible study. And he said, hey, you know, there's this girl named Melissa. She's awesome. Um, you should meet her. But the problem was my friend liked her. <laughs> and so I remember um, meeting this girl. And I didn't think anything of it at first, but I was leading worship. And I looked up and she just was in this amazing uh, Holy Spirit in the presence of God moment that kind of, you know, took me by surprise because I had not seen anybody really that engaged in worship to the Lord. And so um, it really kind of attracted me to her. I mean, she was pretty and she's beautiful, but it was like that really attracted me to her was her heart, her passion for Jesus. We started talking and, you know, I, I knew that my friend liked her. And so I was a little bit uh, nervous to, to pursue this this you know, move forward, but she really, um, you know, it was hard for her because he was a good friend of hers. And, you know, we kind of did the whole breakup thing because of, you know, the fact that here we are, the friend of mine who, who likes her and all this drama and she couldn't handle it. And so I was like, all right, I guess we're done. And um, the long short of it is we got back together when I found out she had cancer. I remember her telling me when I kind of just asked her how she was doing and she had this amazing, just glow, uh, just peace to her that was definitely supernatural. And when I asked how she was doing, the, her response to me was, you know, I, I'm doing, I'm doing okay because I realized that, you know, if I die from this cancer, but if one person gives her life to Jesus, then it's all worth it. Kind of went away from the room that night and was like, God, if you want me to marry her, then if she tells me she loves me, I'll marry her. Just random, like, don't know why I said that. And I came back in one day and she just said, hey, I'll let you know that I've been praying for you and, and I love you. And, you know, just the the progression forward was, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if she's going to survive. We don't know. And we're going to have hope and fight through it. But I love her and I'm, I want to be with her during that time. We got married. It was beautiful. You know, as we got married, things were looking better. And two weeks into our um, honeymoon, she, you know, was having these issues with her stomach. And I kind of at that point just started having that fear and we got home and the doctors you know did tests on her and said that she had weeks to months to live and three and a half months into our marriage she went to be with the lord and it was 
to say the least, you know, the biggest challenge of my faith I'd ever experienced before. And, you know, God definitely, um, you know, walked me through some grieving that was not easy. And I was very honest and very raw. I love God's word because there's, it's chock full of all these promises. And, you know, there's some that I love that says, you know, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. You know what I mean? And it's that understanding that when you're going through those hard trials, he's not left you nor forsook you. He literally is right there with you and he's near to those that are broken. Um, I think there's scriptures that I always knew growing up that I had to really let it sink deep in my heart. And it was, you know, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, where it says, all right, trust the Lord with all your heart. So you have to really go, okay, here's my heart. Am I actually going to trust him with all my heart? Because right now I'm having a hard time trusting and I'm holding back pieces because I'm scared. So you have this like true going, I can't lean in my understanding because I don't understand it. It says in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. So just saying, okay, God, I'm going to acknowledge you in this. I'm going to acknowledge you and acknowledge my pain and acknowledge my hurt, be real with you. And I know that you'll direct me, but that's kind of where, in a sense, my true faith journey began. Having to trust the Lord in the midst of the hardest trial and tribulation. When I met Jeremy on tour, I had at that point been away from my family and my church and everything for a while, a couple years at that point, almost three years and I was really not doing well spiritually, just in a very dry, hard, hard place, just kind of jaded. And um, when I, in fact, it wasn't love at first sight by any means, yeah. <laughs> but when I heard Jeremy share his testimony, I, I was in such a search for something authentic and real. Uh, I was blown away by somebody who could watch his wife suffer and die and still be standing up saying, Lord, I believe. And even though I don't understand everything, and even though this is hard, I'm choosing to trust you. And I'm choosing to walk through this, just clinging onto you. And so I would hear him share that from stage, but then I kind of cornered him backstage because I was curious, like, okay, where's the loophole? I want to find out more. And so I would just ask him question after question after question. And I could tell that his faith was so authentic and so real. And for me personally, I just felt like I'd never met anybody like him. You know, I really fell in love with her is, is every time we would talk about Jesus, like she would just light up. It's like she was craving more of Jesus. And I think that to me, um, that's what you want. You want someone that wants to know more about Jesus, that wants to have a deep relationship with him. And I think that, you know, you can have all the knowledge that you want and know God's word, all that you want, but it's about your love and your desire for intimacy with him and to grow knowing him is what really matters. And so that's what really attracts me to her. And so God just kind of put us together. And here we are almost 17 years later. Um, crazy. Wow. We decided very early on within quarantine that we were just going to tackle a book of the Bible and start going through it together. And so we started in James, um, which if you've read James before, it's a very, very practical book. And very convicting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, and we would just sit around and and go through the verses and say, okay, how do we apply this? You know, what does this look like for us together as a family? Um, one thing that we we do in our family is we definitely do not get it right all of the time. But when we blow it, we're very honest with each other. And so we'll literally sit around and just go, you know what? I'm so sorry. I didn't handle that right. And so we're not saying that quarantine has been perfect for us as a family. We've definitely had our ups and downs. Um, but we've just come together and I think just holding our hearts up against God's word, you know, of just going, okay, how does this apply to us today? It's just really been 
super grounding um, and just sweet to hear even our kids just processing the things that they're going through as well. Yeah, I mean, I think the the biggest thing is we've had more time with the family than ever before, you know, and so you you start to really kind of, um, in a sense, you know, see your kids and, and kind of as they're growing up and what they're dealing with and kind of the, the personalities and, you know, to a greater degree. I mean, I've always seen it, of course. I'm, I'm very you know, present when I'm home and, and they come with me a lot too. But I think there's just a understanding of like, Hey, let's really tap into their heart um, in a very, very deep way. And so we've you know really been able to kind of just tap into some deep issues and, and talk through things. It's been so good. As we close our time with Jeremy and Adrian, Jeremy reads a passage of Jesus calling from a day that has special meaning for him. February 5th was the day that Melissa went to be with the Lord. So let me, uh, Read this. Seek my faith, and you will find me, not only my presence, but also my peace. To receive my peace, you must change your grasping, controlling stance to one of openness and trust. The only thing you can grasp without damaging your soul is in my hand. Ask my spirit within you to order your day and control your thoughts, for the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. You can have as much of me and my peace as you want. Through thousands of correct choices each day, the most persistent choice you face is whether to trust me or to worry. You know, it resonates with me because I think this world tries to give us all these different ways in order to deal with our stresses or to find peace um, or to find satisfaction. And it really will only be found in, in Christ alone. And I think that's just such the key to this, is saying, I need to run to to Jesus, to Him, for His source of peace. I think sometimes as well, we get really frustrated with the Lord for not taking things away from us. You know, certain stresses or stressful situations or things that we've gone through, and we're like, Lord, take it away from me, take it away from me. But, But we haven't, I mean, like it just talks about, we haven't actually let go of the grip of those things. And God isn't going to just forcibly remove things from our hands. We literally have to open our hands and open our hearts and hand those things over to Him. A lot of what we endure and as uh, people here, we all endure hardship. And pain really is universal. It's, it's everyone experiences it. And everybody in the midst of that pain, they want hope. And, you know, this is just, just a story of someone who went through a hardship, went through pain, and realize that the only thing that got him through it was Jesus. And that is the only hope and the only true source of, of, of peace and joy. And he's the answer to everything. Here in the day now with a beautiful wife and three beautiful children, of course, there's, there's the road that it took to get here and a lot of the, the trust in the Lord in the midst of hardships. But he's been faithful. And here we are now, you know, being married almost 17 years later. You can learn more about Jeremy's story in the movie, I Still Believe, now streaming online and available on DVD and Blu-ray. If you'd like to hear more stories about how God can restore us no matter what our condition, listen to our interview with John and Stacy Eldridge on JesusCalling.com slash podcast. Next time on the Jesus Calling Podcast, we speak with artist and author Ann Nielsen. Anne paints with passion and purpose, and she's well known for her beautiful angel paintings that bring peace and comfort to others, which she never anticipated when she sat down at her canvas for the first time. 
I've had people that have come and shared their story of their child that have, you know, has died, whether they have committed suicide or died of an overdose or, you know, their spouse has passed away. Um, It has been powerful story after powerful story. And um, knowing that these angels do bring comfort and healing um, through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit through art. Want to hear more inspirational stories of people who have been changed by a closer walk with God? Then subscribe today to the Jesus Calling Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please be sure to leave a review, which helps us reach and inspire others with these stories. Plus, if you like seeing our guests as well as hearing them, you can find video interviews available on our YouTube channel at youtube.com Jesus Calling Book on Facebook and on the Jesus Calling Instagram page.